this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Oh, yes, covenants. Okay, I'll give you the credit. All right, you did give them to it eventually. Yes, I have been speaking on covenants, okay? So the Bible is split into how many parts? Two. What are they? Old Testament and New Testament. Testament and covenant synonyms, okay? Interchangeable. So I talked about the Old Covenant. I talked about Moses. I talked about Abraham. Now, today, we're going to be talking about the New Covenant, okay? So what is a covenant? Who remembers from my first sermon? Yes, an agreement, a legally binding agreement. That is what a covenant is. Um, Old Hebrew, okay, back in Abraham's time, covenant literally meant to cut, okay? We'll come to that later, but it basically is an agreement. I talked about two covenants, two covenants, what what two people were involved in the past two covenants. I think I said it just a second ago. Yes. Abraham and Moses. Yes, we talked about Abraham and Moses, the two prime, not not the only covenants in the Old Testament, but the two primary ones in the Old Testament, okay? So the Abrahamic covenant, was it, was what kind of covenant? Was it a conditional or unconditional? You can shout this out. Is it conditional or unconditional, Abraham's covenant? Non-conditional, that is correct. Abraham's covenant with God promised him, God promised Abraham land. He told Abraham he'd make him into a great nation, that he would bless him and make him famous and that all people of the world would be blessed through him. And he was talking about Jesus because Jesus was the descendant of Abraham. Okay, so it's an unconditional covenant and it's still alive today. The Abrahamic covenant is still ongoing. It has not been completely fulfilled. So God promised Moses and the Israelites that if they kept his commands, he would be their God. Okay, so it was a conditional covenant. God came to the Israelites and he said, here are my commandments. If you follow them, I will be your God. I will protect you. I will safeguard you. I will bless you. But you have to keep my commandments. Was it possible for the Israelites to keep all these commandments? No, that is correct. It was not possible. So then, does anyone remember what the purpose of the old covenant was? This is a hard one. If you guys can't remember this one. Okay, the purpose of the Old Testament, the purpose of the Old Covenant, of the law, as it's called, it was to reveal sin and to reveal the need for a Savior. Okay, God gave them these commands and he said, you will keep them and I will be your God if you keep them. They consistently failed, failed, failed. Sometimes they had some all right times and some good times, but most of the time throughout the Old Testament it's them failing and failing and failing. This is why people are like, isn't God just that angry guy in the Old Testament? The reason why he's projected that way is because he had a covenant with Israel. And the covenant was, I will bless you if you obey my commandments. And they hardly ever did. So consistently, God was punishing Israel for going back on their covenant with him. Okay? So it did, the Old Testament did do these things. It revealed the men's sin and it revealed their need for a savior because they could not follow the commands that God had given perfectly. So, as I talked about the last time we were together, then their savior came in Jesus, okay? Jesus fulfilled the Mosaic covenant by living a perfect life and dying as penalty for our sins. Jesus came on this earth. He was under the Old Testament law and he fulfilled that law and kept every single one without fault in his life. 
Jesus fulfilled a part of the Abrahamic covenant when God promised to bless the whole world through Abraham, and that was Jesus. He came and he made a way for the new covenant. And Abraham, and Abrahamic covenant, unlike the old covenant, Abraham covenant still in, still in place today. The old covenant is not in place today, which is why we have the new covenant, which is what we'll be talking about tonight. The new covenant is relevant. Why? Does anyone know why the New Testament is relevant today? Abby. It's the newest one? Yes. What, but what does that mean for us? It, no, it's the one in our time. This is the one that we live under. Anyone in here who is a believer like Abraham and like the Israelites, you are in a covenant agreement with God. Okay? And does anyone, can anyone feel like they can explain the covenant agreement they have with God if you're a believer? You feel like you can? It's coming back again. Well, that, that is future prophetic, yes, but that's not really the covenant that we have with God. Okay? So, I don't see any other hands other than Isaac. So, guys better pay attention because this is actually wait did i see another hand yes feel like you can explain it go ahead okay so you're you're speaking the gospel to me and yes that is part of it it's not like, you know how in the other testaments they had conditions, all right? Do you know what the conditions are for our covenant with God? Since I forget, that is a part of it, but no. But I will teach you all of it tonight, okay? So, this involves you, okay? So, you guys, I hope you pay attention. I hope you learn something about the covenant that you're in. All right. The New Testament was explained by Jesus in Luke 22. Okay. And I'll read that now. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you because what meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until the meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. What does this passage tell us about the New Testament? Okay, It tells us about the New Covenant. It tells us that Jesus' body was given for us. Okay, As we go back and we look at the other covenants, what was involved in these covenants? Sacrifice. Okay, So, Jesus says, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for for you. Remember Abraham? What was Abraham's ritual with God in his covenant? Does anyone remember? Yes. Yes. So here's what happened. As I said, old Hebrew covenant meant to cut. And so what would happen in a covenant? They would cut animals in half, 
lay them side by side, and blood would fill the aisle between them. And the two parties would walk. They would give each other the uh, the uh, align, like they would explain to each other, this is my part of the covenant, this is your part of the covenant, and then they would walk in between these animals, essentially saying, if I do not keep my covenant, be it upon me as it is to these animals. Which is basically saying, if I do not keep this covenant, may I die and may you kill me. Okay? But, Ab- but God put Abraham to sleep, and God walked through it by himself. But yes, it involved sacrifice. God, when Jesus was having this meal with him, essentially what he was saying is, I am the animal. I will be cut, and my blood will be spilt for this covenant to take place. So Jesus is the sacrificial animal. That's why we call Jesus the lamb, because oftentimes they would use a lamb in these sacrifices. Okay, So these statements from Jesus should obviously draw some parallels, that Jesus was the sacrifice to establish the new covenant. He died and took away the death penalty of sin upon himself. This was done for us without us needing to reciprocate anything. Okay, So this is an unconditional covenant. Much like the Abrahamic covenant, it's unconditional. It's all on God. Jesus paid the price. It's not something that we need to put... It's not something that we need to put forward like the Israelites had to keep God's commands. It's God saying, this is on me. So the New Testament was prophesied in the Old Testament, actually, in many places, but most notably in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. The covenant will not be like the ones I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife. This covenant will not be like the ones I made with with their ancestors. So what is new about the New Testament as, as opposed to the Old Testament? There are three primary differences, okay, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The mediator of the Testament, the Holy Spirit, and the role of God versus our role in this covenant. So I'll go into the first part, the mediator. Moses prophesied about the coming mediator in Deuteronomy. Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God, when you were assembled at Mount Sinai, you said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord or God anymore or see this blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. God will raise up for you a prophet like me. I exaggerated those words, because that's the important thing to get out of here. Our mediator will be like Moses was to the Israelites. Moses was the mediator of the Old Testament. He was the in-between between God and Israel. He explained to Israel all God's commandments. He spoke for God the things that God told Moses. He went down and he talked to Israel about. Moses pled Israel's case to God, and God spoke to Israel through Moses. Our mediator is the same way just like Moses. And Paul explains this in Hebrews. Here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. 
There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too, which was God's, which was Jesus dying on the cross. That was the sacrifice that was made. He must make an offering too. If we, if he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest since there are already priests who offer the gifts required by the law. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been, giving a, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. The mediator of the New Testament is Jesus. Okay, A better mediator than even Moses was. He came, he died on the cross, and then where? what did he do? What did he do afterwards? He was resurrected, then what happened after that? Anyone remember? Where did Jesus go? Yes, he went to heaven. And the ascension is what it's called. Jesus ascended into heaven, and he is to this day actively in the heavenly courts pleading our case to God. He is our mediator. He speaks to us. He tells us the things that God says. He teaches us his words. As we read it, he reveals to us the meaning behind these words. And he is up there defending us to God. He is basically our lawyer in heaven, pleading our case. So the first thing is the mediator. The second thing, and arguably one of the most important and the most dramatic difference from the Old Testament, is the Holy Spirit. Galatians says, But when the right time came, God sent his Son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but you're God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Ezekiel also talks about the Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel 36, it says this, Then I will sprinkle clean water onto you. This is the Old Testament. Here he is prophesying about water baptism. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. As Galatians says, you are no longer a slave. Okay, Those in the Old Testament, they were given the law, but they were still slaves to their sinful nature. We all have a sinful nature, okay? but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Today, 
we have the Holy Spirit, okay? Jesus came, he died, and he gave up his own spirit and gave it as a gift to us. With the Holy Spirit, we can now overcome our sinful nature. Those in the Old Testament, they did not have this. They were slaves to their sinful nature so that when God gave them their commandments, that is why it was not possible for them to keep to these commandments because they were slaves to their sinful nature. They couldn't overcome it. They didn't have the power to overcome their sinful nature. So they were constantly falling short. As Ezekiel says, he will give you a new heart. He will put a new spirit in you. He will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. He will put a spirit in you that will follow God's decrees be careful to obey his regulations. Under the New Testament, with the gift of the Holy Spirit that each of us has, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. We have received new hearts in a new spirit. It, it's described, I heard one person that I was listening to, he described it as the I want to heart and spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, following God is a chore. Those of you in here, if you have not asked God to come into your life, if you are not actively following God and you're just trying to keep these commands because out of some moral obligation, it's a chore. It's not something that you want to do. You just feel obligated. You're like, okay, I guess I'll try. And it always ends in guilt and shame. But with the Holy Spirit, He changes us physically. He changes us and inwardly makes it so that following God is the desire of our heart. That is the part of the giving us a new heart. Our heart and our spirit now, with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, gives us the desire to follow God. I hear some say following God and being kept to these strict things is basically just slavery. It's not if it's what I want to do, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. That is the dramatic difference between the Old and New Testament. We are changed. The desires of our heart are now to follow after God. If the desire of your heart is not to follow after God, and you consider yourself a Christian, then you have some questions that you need to ask yourself. This was prophesied in Jeremiah. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. In Roman, the book of Romans, is, Paul describes this, this new heart. He describes it as the circumcised heart. For those of you who remember about my Old Testament teaching, they were required to be physically circumcised, okay, uh, to be cut, as it were, a covenant to cut. They were required to be circumcised as a mark or sign of their covenant with God. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit circumcises our heart. It marks us as a member of the new covenant. The changed heart is the mark of the old covenant, I mean, of the new covenant with God. A tender, responsive heart that desires to follow after God. This is the sign of those 
under the New Testament. Notice how Ezekiel says this, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to greatest will know me already, says the Lord. You won't need to teach the people in this way anymore, as Moses did, laying out the commandments and teaching Israel day and night about what God expects. We won't need to teach them any this way anymore because those under the new covenant are filled with the Spirit. And this Spirit will put God's instructions deep within us. He will write them on our hearts. When the Holy Spirit enters a new believer, they will know God through the works of the Holy Spirit, a supernatural understanding of God that comes when the Holy Spirit enters us. They will begin to desire God's will, unlike the seconds before when they were not in the covenant. The second they enter the covenant, the second they believe and follow after, follow after God, the Holy Spirit enters them, and they now have the desire to follow after God and keep to his will. And they have a supernatural understanding of his will. I, I've heard stories about some people... God doesn't always take away everyone's sin immediately, but those who do, they describe it as one day I was like, one day I was a drunk craving after alcohol. The next day I was disgusted by it. That is the Holy Spirit that entered them and changed them from the inside and gave them new desires of their heart that match up with what God's desires are. The Holy Spirit is the dramatic difference from the Old Testament. The circumcising of the heart and our new spirit produces freedom and the power to overcome our sinful nature. That is the gift of the New Testament. That is why the Old Testament, that's why they failed. That's why they couldn't keep it. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have a supernatural changing on the inside to direct their desires towards the things of God. And the final, number three, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. What makes this New Testament so new? The role of us versus God's role in this covenant. You might remember, okay, in the Old Testament, it was, you do this and I will do this. That's not how it is anymore. Thank God. This is explained in Ezekiel 36, 22-36. This is the longest part of Scripture. Bear with me, but it's really important. Therefore, Give the people of Israel this message from the Sovereign Lord. I am bringing you back, but not because you deserve it. I'm doing it to protect my holy name, on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. I will show you how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the Sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and will no, you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn hearts and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And you will live in Israel, the land I gave your ancestors long ago. This is prophetic speaking to the Israelites. You will be my people and I will be your God. I 
will cleanse you of your filthy behavior. I will give you good good crops of grain, and I will send no more famines on the land. I will give you great harvests from your fruit trees, and never again will the surrounding nations be able to scoff at your land for its famines. Then you will remember your past sins and despise yourselves for all the detestable things you did. But remember, says the sovereign Lord, I'm not doing this because you deserved it. Oh, my people of Israel, you should be utterly ashamed of all you have done. This is what the sovereign Lord says. When I cleanse you from your sins, I will repopulate your cities and your ruins will be rebuilt. The fields that used to lie empty and desolate and plain view of everyone will again be farmed. And when I bring you back, people will say, the former wasteland is now like the Garden of Eden. The abandoned and ruined cities now have strong walls and are filled with people. Then the surrounding nations that survive will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruins and replanted the wasteland. For I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do what I say. I will. I will. I will. He says it over and over and over. This is the difference between our role and God's role in the New Testament. If you go back and you read the Old Testament law, you'll find that it's filled with, you will, you will, you will, you will, or the burden was placed on us in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, God removes the burden and he placed it on himself. So that's what our role is in the covenant. Our role is simply this. Simply believe and follow him. If we believe in him and follow him, he will do the work in us to restore us. He will free us from our sin. I will. I will. It's not on us. It's not on our behavior. God will do it because he said he will do it. He will free us from our sin. He will make us right with him. And John, he had to take all of this that I just spoke and put it into a few words. And he did in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. (sighs) That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. All we have to do is believe and follow him and God will do the rest. We don't have to strive after, oh, I'm filthy, oh, I'm dirty, and I can't fix it. How can I come to you? He says, come to me and I will do the work in you. All you have to do is believe and follow me. My Holy Spirit will do the work and I will change you. You will not change yourself. You will not make it into heaven based off your own works. You will not make it in because of your own self-righteousness. It is because of me and what I have done inside of you. This is what will save you. This is what will make you new. This is what is new about the new covenant. The new covenant is for all who believe in Jesus. All who follow after him. 
guys can go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. God, thank you so much that you have saved me, that you have saved those in this room, God. Not because of what I've done, because I'm ashamed of what I've done. But you've done it because of your goodness and of your love for us, God. Thank you. God, I pray that these students learn today the new covenant, our role in this covenant, what you do in this covenant, what the terms are. The terms are believe and be saved and I will do everything. I will do the rest. It's all on me. God, I thank you for the hearts of those in here whose desire is for you. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit who has done this work. Thank you for your gift of your death, you giving up your spirit and giving it to us so that we can stand firm on these new promises, God. Help us follow after you. For those of you in this room who are not part of this new covenant, who are not believers, who have not chosen God, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whose desire of your heart is towards the sinful inclinations of your flesh that lead to pain, suffering. If you want to be rid of this, all you have to do is believe and follow after Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will equip you to do it. He can do it now. If anyone in this room does not, Know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. If there's anyone in this room who wants to be part of these promises and who has not had a chance to take part in it, go ahead and raise your hands. No one is watching. This is between you and God. All right, for those of you, those of you who raised your hand, you can repeat after me. And those in this room who are already God, thank you so much for these promises that I've learned about tonight. I am a sinner. The things that I do do not make me proud. They make me disgusted with myself on a daily basis. They lead me into depression. They lead me into pain. And they lead me into feeling less than what I should. I am a sinner, God. Holy Spirit, Come and live inside of me. Do your changing work. Give me the new heart and the new spirit that you have promised me. Jesus, I believe that you came and that you died on the cross and that you rose again, that you are the Son of God. Jesus, send your spirit to save me, to change me from the inside out. Do your work now. Holy Spirit, I invite you in. Be the leader and the shepherd of my life. Guide me as I go from this place and throughout the rest of my life. Teach me. Write your desires upon my heart. And give me a new spirit to direct my ways in following after you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For those of you who prayed that along with me, I want to say congratulations. The Holy Spirit is now inside of you. You believe and now just follow him. He will guide you and direct you. 
don't put off his word. I know it said you don't have to teach them. And yes, we don't have to teach them in the ways that we used to. But as you read the Bible and learn about the desires of God further from what the Holy Spirit is teaching, is going to be teaching you, he will write the words that you read upon your heart. Maybe it will change you. And one day when you, when you die, when we all die, we will meet the one face to face who did this change inside of us. And he will welcome us into his kingdom and he will wipe away every tear, every pain. And we will live our new lives. I'm excited for that day. I look forward to that day. These are the promises that we hold on to as believers that we look to every day. And everyone, that is the outline of the Bible. Thank you guys. If you guys have been here the whole time, follow me through the promises of Abraham into the Old Testament, the agreement between Moses and the Israelites, and then now into the New Testament that we live under today. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.